0: I invite you to stand as you are able in body or in spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson this morning. Our gospel lesson will come from John chapter 14. We'll read verses, John 14, we're going to read verses 15 through 26. John 14, verses 15 through 26. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. Because he abides with you, he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I am you. They who have my commandment to keep them. And they are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine. It's from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My favorite Pentecost joke was one that Dr. Nick told us when we were in seminary. Dr. Nick was telling us when he first started teaching that this is back in the olden days when the earth's core was still cooling, and we used typewriters. He said this this student had typed a paper, and somehow his typewriter was messed up. And er, the thesis of his paper was that Christ came to take away our guilt. So over and over throughout the paper, he wrote, Christ came to take away our guilt, Christ came to take away our guilt. Christ came to take away our guilt. But each time when he typed it, somehow it messed up and it typed out Christ came to take away our quilt. So every time he read that, Dr. Nick chuckled. And th- then towards the end of the paper, he couldn't help himself. He circled it in red pen and wrote out to the side when it said Christ came to take away our quilt, he circled it, wrote out to the side and said, "That's okay. He came to bring us a comforter." <laughs> huh? Eh? Huh? bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, got a little bit. He liked a little bit, a little bit. Today's Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit, the day we celebrate the gift of the church. I have been blessed to have served as a pastor in various parts of our state. Kind of, I've been blessed to have served really all over the state of Mississippi in various settings, and I've, I've loved it. I've met some amazing people. I've I've, I've had the privilege of serving as pastor to a lot of folks in the military, and I've learned a lot about military life. I've had the, the privilege of learning how a chicken farm works when I was in Philadelphia. I mean, I've had the privilege of serving some truly amazing people. But this morning, I want to tell you about one of the most amazing individuals that I've ever had the chance to serve as pastor. Her name is Mary Litton. Um, as Mary Litton, she was the matriarch of the Lytton of, of United Methodist Church, which is right outside of Cleveland, my first appointment. Uh, Miss Mary was the matriarch there. She taught Sunday school at the church. She was the pianist at the church. She was also 94 years old and was amazing. She started painting when she was in her 90s. In fact, if you go into our house now, you'll find a picture in our living room that she painted. She, her house was full of the pictures she'd painted. She said, Andy, pick out any one you like. So I picked out one that actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Pentecost. It's red. It's, got a, it's just a beautiful, beautiful painting. Miss Mary was just an amazing lady. Uh, she, was, she was probably the most alive person I've ever met in my entire life. She just lived boldly. Um, she... Um, she did so many things that were amazing. As I said, she was the matriarch, but that's not really, that probably undersells it. Lytton was a huge church. I mean, on a good Sunday, we had five people. So she kept the church going during the winter months. She was all, like I said, she was the pianist. So what she did is she had about 20 hymns she could play. So we just went down them, did three a week, and we finished it. We started back over. We just, we just sang the 20 songs she could play. In the winter months when it got very cold and she was unable to get out, we would have church at her house. We would all go there. And we'd sit around her piano and we'd sing and I'd do a devotion and we'd take communion. She was amazing. She, um, she had a, her house, the living room, was built around the table. Her table was the center of the room. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Holly can back this up. She's been there. Her dining room table was about as big as this altar rail. I mean, you could sit 20, 25 people around it. And every Wednesday she would feed uh, whoever showed up. It was an eclectic group, preachers and politicians and farm laborers and whoever would could come eat at Miss Mary's house. She said, Andy, said I've been feeding Methodist preachers for 47 years. I said, Miss Mary, you should learn that we preachers are like cats. You feed us once, we don't leave. <laughs> she, every, she read voraciously. She was always reading newspapers and books. And every Sunday I'd go to church and she'd give me a little, a little legal pad full of what she called her one-liners. Little, little quotes she thought that were interesting or funny. And every week she'd give me a handwritten list of little one-liners she thought I might like. But one of the, one of the coolest things about Miss Mary is, is she, she, she liked to read and she had a lot of, she liked to, if she saw something she liked in the newspaper, she'd cut it out and tape it to her wall. So on her wall was a collection of editorial cartoons and religious cartoons and little statements and pictures she's seen throughout the years. And she just put them all over a wall. So you walk into her house and think, well, she might be a little bit crazy. I mean, because there are pictures everywhere. But it was just her way of gathering knowledge. She loved to learn. And every day, every Wednesday when I'd go to her house, I'd notice something different or new. And she had one picture that I loved. Because it wasn't just the picture. It was what it said. The picture of a pig. And it said on the top of it, it said, never try to teach a pig to sing. The bottom said, because it wastes your time and it annoys the pig. (laughs) Y'all? There's a lot of truth there. Don't ever try to teach a pig to sing. It wastes your time and it annoys the pig. Now, what does that mean? You ever been with somebody and the more you try to reach them or convince them of something or educate them, the madder they get and you're working so hard to be friends or you're working so hard to be connected or you're working so hard to love and the more harder you try, the the, the greater the gap goes. And you're like, what am I even doing here? And and you try harder, and it gets on their nerves, and it makes you mad, and then you're both mad. That's what it means to try to teach a pig to sing. And sometimes we're the one trying to teach the pig to sing. And sometimes we're the pig with somebody trying to teach us to sing. And the more they talk to us, the madder we get. I just love that concept. Don't try to teach a pig to sing. It wastes your time, and it annoys the pig. I just, there's a lot of truth to that. But you know where I think we see that concept played out the most sometimes? Because what happens is when you teach a pig, try to teach a pig to sing. In times, in time, you just wash your hands with it and say, you know what? I'm done. I am done with you. I am done with this situation. Drop the mic and walk out. I'm done. I can't anymore. I give up. And how many relationships in our life have been ended because of that? We've all been there. At some point in our life, we've all been there. You're like, you know what? This is not worth it. It's not beneficial to me. It's not beneficial to them. I'm done. We've all been there in some way. But I think there's another place in our life we see that same dynamic play out. I think we see it play out quite often in our faith. Because when you look at the Bible, you look at the Old Testament, I had the, the privilege of teaching one of our older adult Sunday school classes this morning. We were in Leviticus. You look at the law, you're like, I can't do this. I can't. Lord, you've got these rules and these statutes. You've got all this stuff for me to do, and I can't do it. I try really hard, and I'm really bad at it. She had another sign. The harder I try, the worse I get. That's how it feels sometimes in faith, isn't it? You know, I try so hard. C.S. Lewis says, no man knows how very evil he is till he has tried very hard to be good. We try, and we, it's, we try, and nothing happens. And, and then, Lord, I'm trying to do Right? Why do I keep messing up? Lord, I'm doing all the right things here. Why isn't life easier? Lord, I'm doing everything you want me to do. Why does this keep happening? And, you know, in our Rooted in Christ plan, we're doing, we've been in the Old Testament for a while. And I told somebody recently, I said, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of ready to get to the New Testament. (laughs) You know, I'm ready to get to Jesus. Okay, let's get to Jesus. Let's hit fast forward to the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, you shall not commit murder. I say to you, if you hate someone in your heart, you committed murder. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other to them. If someone sues you for your cloak, give them your coat as well. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I don't have that in me. And maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. And I think what happens with our faith sometimes is we're trying to teach a pig to sing. We're trying so hard, and we're working so hard, and we don't feel like anything changes. We don't feel like we get better. We don't feel like we get more faithful. We don't feel like anything's any different in us, in the world, anywhere. And then we come to the point, like you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I might go to the I might go to church because we're Southerners and good folk go to church, or I might play religion. But I'm doing because nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. We get there in our faith sometimes, don't we? We all get there at some point. Especially when we try so hard and we feel like nothing changes. We're doing everything we wanted that God wanted us to do. We feel like we can't catch a break. I think that's why Pentecost is a gift to us. Because here's what happens at Pentecost. The Lord gives his spirit. Not to the, the deserving. Not to the perfect. Not to the ones that have it all figured out. Not to the ones that have everything right. But scripture says, I, I will give my spirit to all my servants. To my, your old men will see dreams. Your young men will have visions. I'll pour my spirit upon both slave and free. Everybody will get the spirit. You know the old Oprah thing? The old Oprah joke? You get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car. You get the spirit, you get the spirit, everybody gets the spirit. Cause see, Methodist, It's funny, I I think I told you before about a buddy of mine in in seminary that was Pentecostal, and he just couldn't understand how we do church. Like, he just could not gather, he could not wrap his mind around the way we do church. He'd always say, Andy, what if the Holy Spirit leads you to do something that's not in the bulletin? And I said, well, first off, the Holy Spirit's not going to do that. So secondly, if he does, he'll let me know by Thursday so we can put it in the bulletin. He said, Andy, what would you do if one Sunday somebody stood up and yelled, amen? I said, I look at him and go, shh, we're in church. <laughs> but I put forth, I don't know any doctrine or any church that speaks of the Spirit more than John Wesley and Methodism. And here's why. As my nearly three years as your pastor, how many times have you, heard, have you heard me mention the word grace? Probably about 15 times a Sunday you know how you receive grace through the holy spirit anytime you ever talk about ever heard a preacher talk about how grace calls you to god how grace convicts how grace saves how grace sanctifies what you're hearing is the holy spirit The Holy Spirit is the way by which we experience God. The Holy Spirit is the way by which God pours his grace out upon us. The Holy Spirit is what calls us to God. The Holy Spirit is what saves us. The Holy Spirit is what sanctifies us. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us our life. That is where life comes, from the power of the Spirit. And here's what Pentecost teaches us. Your faith... It's not about you bowing up and working harder and getting better and getting perfect and cleaning yourself up and making yourself holy and perfect. That's not what your faith is about. Pentecost teaches us that our faith is a gift. And that our faith is about Surrender. Surrender. Surrender to God. Surrender to his spirit. Surrender to his will. I don't know how you do your devotional life, but y'all know me. I'm, I'm a little ADD, so I got to have structure. I got to have structure. So every morning I do the same devotional process. I, I read from the Book of Common Prayer, and I, I follow. Uh, every morning there's a gospel, a New Testament, an Old Testament, and some Psalms that I read and I pray about and med- meditate upon. And this week, one of the Old Testament lessons was from Ezekiel. And the Lord says to Ezekiel, I will put my spirit in their hearts, and then they will keep my statutes. We put the cart before the horse, don't we, y'all? We try to be really good, hoping God will love us. We try to be really good earning God's approval. We try to be really good making sure that God will make us what we need to be. Instead of this, understanding that our first job is to surrender ourselves in totality to the will and the spirit of God. That's where it starts. Your faith is not an act of will. Your faith is an act of surrender. Surrendering to God's spirit. Surrendering to God's love. Surrendering to God's plan. So often we think it's about us. When in reality, it's about God. We spend our life trying to teach a pig to sing and get frustrated and want to give up. When in truth, all God wants us to do is surrender to him. Give our life completely and totally over to him and to his spirit. And find the life that God has for us the entire time. That's the faith. That's the life. So today, have you been spending your time trying to bow up and make yourself perfect? And figure it all out on your own? Or have you surrendered? The only way to truly find the life of God is to surrender to him and to find his life. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your love, for your life, for your plan, for your grace. We love you so much. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen. Before we have our closing and invitational hymn, I want to invite Becky Tilton uh, up. Becky Tilton is our SPRC chair, our staff parish chair, and she has something that she wants to share with you.
1: Good morning. morning. I come with uh, really great news. Uh, I'd like to announce today that Reverend Andy Stoddard, Reverend Aaron Hicks, and uh, Reverend Brian Johnston have all been reappointed to St. Matthews. Let's welcome (laughs) them. Additionally, uh, Brian has been appointed to serve Sharon United Methodist Church along with his duties here at St. Matthews, so a great opportunity for him. As all of you know, St. Matthews is an extremely active, very busy church, and we, play, we place great demands on our clergy. We know how lucky we are and how dedicated and hardworking Andy is in all of our mission and our daily operations here at St. Matthews. Because of this, I am really pleased to announce that the SPRC, along with the District Superintendent, Reverend Dr. Connie Shelton, is excited to extend to Andy renewal leave for the months of June and July. Now, let me just tell you the United Methodist Church recognizes the need for clergy to take a little respite from the normal exercise of pastoral ministry, a time to reflect and to renew. Renewal leave fits the guidelines of the early church as, re- as reflected in the Gospel of Mark, where after returning from a missionary trip, Jesus invited the disciples to come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest for a while. We hope you will join us in celebrating this time for Andy as he takes these weeks to renew spiritually, emotionally, and physically and we ask that you pray for the stoddard family not only will andy have a time of renewal saint matthews united methodist church will also have an opportunity for reflection and renewal during this time Uh, we have a very exciting uh, theme for our summer renewal and a very uh, good lineup of guest preachers along with some of our own and we'll be sharing with that that with you next Sunday. I want to just reassure you that Brian and Aaron, the staff, and all of your church committees will be here to meet the needs of the congregation. And if you have any questions and concerns, please feel free to um, ask one of the SPRC members. And I would ask those SPRC members that are here today to stand up. I see at least one. <laughs> oh, there's so thank you very much, and um, let's, uh, let's just keep St. Matthew's and Andy and his family in our prayers. Thank you.
0: So this summer is going to be an exciting summer for the church. Uh, as Becky said, there will be a lot of great preachers coming to share with you this summer, uh, people that we've handpicked to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you this summer. Um, my family and I will take this time. We'll be back August 1. Don't worry. I've shared with some of y'all this is going to happen. They're like, just promise me you're coming back. Like, I'm coming back August 1. But um, this is going to be a season for me and my family to refocus and to figure out what our, what we, how, what ministry will look like for our family the next 30 years and what ministry will look like at St. Matthews in the years to come. This is going to be a great time for our church to refocus and revive ourselves and a time for us as a family, me and my family, to uh, refocus and to, uh, and to make sure that we're being faithful, the faithful leaders that this church needs that the kingdom of God needs. So we're excited about it. Trust me, when you hear the preachers, y'all won't miss me. Y'all probably won't even want me back in August. Y'all will be, just keep on going, son, we're good. So, but it's going to be a great summer, and uh, so I'm excited. And I look forward to sharing with you in August and the months to come after that what God has taught uh, me and my family this summer. So At this time, we will uh, have our closing and invitational hymn. The altar is open. If you've you've never made the decision to put your full faith in Jesus Christ, today is a great day to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you'd like to learn more about how to join our church. I would love to talk to you about how you can become a member of St. Matthew's. Perhaps you'd like to come and pray. The altar is open. But this morning in our final song, Christ is here. Won't you come?